HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by the International Culinary Center, offering courses that range from classic French techniques in culinary, pastry, and bread baking to Italian studies to management, from culinary technology to food writing, from cake making to wine tasting. For more information, visit culinarycenter.com. Hi, this is Joe Campanelli, the host of In the Drink. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hello, Greenhorns. This is Severin, and this is Greenhorns Radio, radio for young farmers by young farmers. Today I'm happy to talk with a not-so-young or in-between young and old farmer, Mike Miles, in Wisconsin, who is a Catholic worker of long time and community farmer of long time. Welcome to the show, Mike. Severin, good to hear you. Good to hear you, too. And if it gets faint, just yell. So um, the topic of the day is some of what's happening in the Catholic worker movement. We met together at the event you organized in Luck, Wisconsin, the Catholic Worker Farm Gathering. I wonder if you... Um, I was wondering if you could give an overview of the Catholic Worker Movement and how farming relates to the mission of this movement. Well, that's a that's a good question, Severin. Um, how does how does farming fit into it? Well, it's I mean, the Catholic Worker Movement started uh, in like 1933, so the Great Depression was going on. The United States was mostly uh, uh, an agrarian society at that point. And so uh, when Dorothy Day, who just got, got uh, like praised by the popester, <coughs> met Peter Morin, who was the French peasant philosopher uh, behind the farming part of it, met, it only made sense for them to, uh, in the cities where people were hungry and homeless, start soup kitchens and have people move into uh, houses of hospitality uh, and then uh, out in the countryside start doing uh, farms that would supply those uh, hospitality houses with food and give out-of-work workers uh, a place to do meaningful work. So that's kind of where it came from. And over the years, 
uh, as uh, um, the United States was no longer uh, a mostly agrarian society, the farming part of it kind of faded to the side, and the houses of hospitality uh, increased so that there's, that there's hospitality houses in, just, I believe, every state now, and uh, Europe and Australia and other places, uh, but not as many farms. But the farms are making a big comeback, and we are having several farms that are, like, standing on their own instead of supplying uh, food for urban uh, hospitality houses. They are actually out there uh, uh, doing farming, doing some of the most creative farming that's happening in the world today. So that's a good way to talk about your farm. Do you want to introduce your own farm and how you landed in how did you landed it to farm in Luck, Wisconsin? What the heck made you go there? Well, what the heck made us go here was like that was way back in uh, 1983 and four when we start when we moved up to Wisconsin, and what brought us up here was we were like hardcore peace activists at the time, uh, much more so than. Than, than farmers, and there was this, believe it or not, in northern Wisconsin, in the middle of nowhere, there was a Navy transmitter that was uh, poised to uh, wage preemptive nuclear war against the Soviet Union with submarines. So we came up here uh, really to address that. I mean, we started having grandkids, and we wanted to be closer to grandparents who were in Minneapolis, and we knew we wanted to be on a farm, but we we picked the place where we are because it was roughly halfway between Minneapolis and this Project Elf place, so we could go protest preemptive nuclear war up in the woods in northern Wisconsin and still get into Minneapolis to protest things like Honeywell, who was also involved in nuclear weapons stuff. So we, we kind of landed on the farm. Uh, with farming being a, a secondary project uh, after uh, being anti-war and anti-nuclear activists. So one of the things that just happened when the when the Pope was going all around America talking about how humans are a part of nature and that we better check our arrogance. And we better have better we better have more charity towards the poor, and we better question corporate technology. He had uh, he had some messages also about war, and I wanted to just make sure that we talk about this radical element within the Catholic faith, led by by Dorothy Day, um, and what the stance is on on war and violence. Well, that there shouldn't be any war and violence, of course. <clears throat> and uh, uh, we got to, besides, uh, as Peter Morin would say, he ha he was all he was full of these little uh, quips uh, that Catholic workers need to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. And uh, most of the uh, afflicted who aren't comfortable uh, are um, are are poor and refugees and uh, need, to, need some advocacy, and the people who need to be uh, afflicted who are doing better are the, the 1% who are, like, pillaging all of us globally, 
uh, financially and and with um, man defense contractors making money hand over fist. It, it, we got to stop all those. Uh, we got to stop all of them. Uh, at the same time, we are addressing nine billion people like on the planet pretty soon uh, who need to eat. While while conventional agriculture has completely worn out soil, so we get to do it all up here in Wisconsin. So you guys are farming and building soil and raising beef and hogs and chickens and doing it with solar power and on a community land trust and being radical models of exemplary. We're trying. We're trying our best. More about the World Food Prize. You want to hear about the World Food Prize? That's coming up next next week, down in uh, down in uh, uh, Des Moines, Iowa. So the World Food Prize is uh, it's something that uh, uh, Monsanto and Syngenta and Pioneer and all the big dogs uh, came up uh, an organization where they award themselves once a year. Uh, the World Food Prize, <clears throat> which is, in their minds, the equivalent of the uh, Nobel Peace Prize for people who are doing the best job feeding the world. Uh, the, the problem is they, they always award it to themselves or their cohorts, and they keep trying to change the, the, the narrative on who's actually feeding the world, which mostly is uh, indigenous uh, women farmers in in Asia and South America and Africa, which is why when we go down to uh, Des Moines next next week to protest the World Food Prize, uh, there's another organization who's going to be there called the Food uh, it, it, the Food Sovereignty Prize, which is uh, globally a network of people who are. Uh, working with, with indigenous people and promoting food sovereignty, and they came up with that as a direct counter to the to the corporate's World Food Prize. So in the in the middle of Monsanto's party in Des Moines, the the Food Sovereignty Prize is presented, and it's a it's a great counterpoint to these people who are trying to steal the narrative on who's feeding the world. Well, and of course. Having just spent a little time in airplanes and airports and surrounded by a lot of media as a result, just for a few just for a few twenty hour periods, I can understand why people who are watching television and in supermarkets would think that that's the way that the world is fed. In fact, I learned that it's more like only thirty percent of of the food that is produced uh is through a commodity commodity agriculture system, um, but that that food production is taking up far more of the land than 30% of the land. I think it might have been 60, but I, I don't want to quote that. Whereas the majority of the food that is being produced and consumed and enjoyed and cooked and, and traded is coming not out of commodity agriculture, but out of diversified farming systems that are embedded within communities and traditions and far more responsive to the needs of those communities and responsive because of their diversity 
And because the people who are farming them are in touch with the genetics of the plants and the relationships between the plants, much more resilient to climate change. Sorry for the big truck. And so this is a kind of a, a, a crucial moment, and it's a crucial moment that just keeps getting more and more crucial. Which of these paradigms uh, do we choose to pursue in the next and coming years, and how many people can we recruit into an allegiance of and practice of? Well, Severin, you know, I, uh, the kind of farming that I'm doing today is because of people like uh, Jake Olson, who's a, one of my youngster friends at the, at the Lake City Catholic Worker uh, Farm in, um, in Minnesota, who introduced me to Mark Shepard, who everybody knows who Mark Shepard is. And the next thing you know, uh, we're up here uh, laying out and installing key line swales and um, key lines in order to uh, move beyond sustainable agriculture into regenerative agriculture. And then I run into Lindsay, and then I run into you. And so, like, all of you guys are, like, blowing my mind, making me think, why did I waste the last 20 years on the farm doing, like, stuff the way I was doing, which I wasn't doing bad things, but I was not thinking regeneratively. I was, you know, doing things on the cheap and doing, doing the uh, organic stuff and, uh, you know, uh, not necessarily thinking about uh, the organisms that are living three feet under my feet, uh, which are the most important animals on any farm. And so for, for all of the work that I've done in piecework and for all of the jails that I've gone to and for all of the war zones that I've traveled in, I feel like the most important thing I'm doing right now is building soil with animal agriculture. So let's talk a little bit about um, the network. There's people talk about the kind of Internet of the soil and this multi-trophic cascade of beings who are having orgies and, you know, bumping around each other and eating and sharing and gulping down things in the soil, and there's incredible collusion between different parts of those systems that create colloids and they create nice crumbs, healthy soil, but in a oh. bunch of different groups that are working in this kind of a collaboratorist way, can you want to reflect on what you, what kind of, um, how the Christian and faith communities and the activist communities and the farming communities, what they share in terms of methodology, other than potlucks. <laughs> other than potlucks? Uh, well, what do we, sh I mean, the work that I'm doing here on the farm is becoming more and more uh, localized. You know, I, I, I used to travel quite a bit, and... Um, I'm looking at, I need to be more consistent uh, in my day-to-day -day stuff with my uh, energy usage and with, with uh, I mean, the way I expend my labor. And I feel like if, if I can't make an impact, you know, on the world in a positive way within 20 miles of where I live, 
you know, it's, I'm probably doing something wrong. And so, like, most of what I do anymore is, is right here on the farm, you know, using uh, animals to regenerate soil and to produce protein off of uh, grasses, which is like a miracle in and of itself. And with my friends who are still <clears throat> going all over the world, like Kathy Kelly and Vo- Voices for Creative Nonviolence in the work that they do in, uh, in Afghanistan, and my friend Barbara Lubin and the stuff that she's doing with the Middle East Children's Alliance in uh, Gaza and the West Bank, uh, th- about, the, about the most I can do to support them is financially. I, I think the world of the work that they, that they do, and you know, right now I'm feeling, feeling like if we don't heal the earth's skin and start uh, creating better and better plants for photosynthesis and for carbon sequestration, all the good work that the peacemakers are doing is going to be for naught. Because we have, we have got to heal the Earth's skin, and we've got to get this carbon out of the air. And the kind of regenerative farming that you greenhorns are starting to, like, pass the word around about is, is what I feel i got to do. Right on. I, yeah, it's a funny feeling. Yesterday was a lot of, I was writing an essay, and then I was writing a strategic plan, and then I was writing a budget, and I was clickety-clacking away. And I met with my friend JJ, and she, she, got, she gave me permission to use the compost bin in the house next door. And that was kind of the biggest thing that was happening in that day related to Earth. And I was not a. I was a good revelation to notice that that shouldn't be the extent, even on a working Saturday. Um, so I think it's easy to get sucked into the, you know, clickety clack at high echelons of activism and coordination, and to forget to have one's feet and practice in relation with the ground every day. Yeah. Anyway, that was a personal I mean... reflection. <laughs> Being a, being a farmer, we have, you know, we have a growing season. And so, like, during the growing season, I, I am pretty much 100% farmer. And once, the, once we tuck things to bed a little bit here, which we can because we live so far north, that's when we jump in and uh, get involved a little more hands-on with, uh, with, our, with our peacemaking friends. Like, a, a couple of years ago, the Midwest Catholic Workers uh, did uh, a, um, a, a weekend of action at an at a Air National Guard base in Des Moines, Iowa, that had gone from being supportive of uh, it was a it was a wing of F-16s that were supporting activities in Afghanistan and and uh, Iraq. They changed that to, to be being drone operators, and so that there were these Nash, Air National Guard. Uh, soldiers in Des Moines, Iowa, were running drones, uh, bombing people on the other side of the planet, and then going to pick up their kids after soccer practice, which is pretty crazy. I mean, it makes you crazy. So, uh, you know, we did that in March because we had two feet of snow on the ground. 
And that's kind of when we shift gears from uh, storing carbon to getting out there and doing the kind of things that are going to, what, hopefully ensure our kids have some kind of future. Yeah, there was a major, there was a major airstrike of drones yesterday on a hospital in Afghanistan that killed a bunch of doctors and children, and it was many, many strikes on this hospital. And I just, it's, it's hard to hear of all of this violence at a time of year when there's such joy and beauty and bounty and apples and corn and squashes and just like the fullness of life is all around us. Yeah, and I and I, I thought particularly of that because my my son Phil just graduated from from medical school, and uh, you know before he got into medical school, he did two uh, volunteer uh, bits as an EMT down in Haiti with with uh, that big uh, earthquake that happened there, and had such a great time. He was talking about like doing Doctors Without Borders stuff, and it was a Doctors Without Borders hospital that got hit by. The U.S. military, and I think, man, you know, here's Phil wanting to do, you know, the, the absolute right thing with his uh, medical uh, knowledge, and it, it could have been him, you know, getting hit by by U.S. bombs. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's if if we weren't so connected with the rest of the world by paying attention, you know, uh, you could lose face of it because where I where I'm where I am right now it's it's as beautiful as it gets we've had a great harvest uh harvest festivals are going on uh you got to work to 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 pay attention and to stay awake and there's way too many people who don't want to they just don't want to do that because they don't think they can do anything about it uh but I'm I'm what dumb enough to think yeah, we have to do something about it. I guess it's because I have grandkids too, you know. So I, I feel like I gotta, I gotta save the world with my agriculture, and then I gotta save the world with my activism. I'm a hopeless, I gotta save the world kind of guy. Sorry, Severin. Well, I just want to know for other save the world kinds of guys, how should those people learn more about the Catholic worker? How can they learn more about the Catholic Worker? Uh, go online. You know, smart people are going online, and there's a Catholic there's a Catholic Worker uh, website that has a list of all the all the houses that are like everywhere on the planet, and a, a lot of them are doing web pages now. So uh, people want to find out about the Catholic Worker uh, wherever they live. Just go go online, find one, and give the house a call and. Um, uh, see if they need uh, volunteers or just go visit. Uh, you can go to the houses. You can go to the farms. Uh, it's pretty easy to get hooked up with Catholic workers these days with the Internet being what it is. So there's the houses, there's the farms, there's the newspaper, there's the soup kitchens, there's the work that they're doing of feeding people who need being fed, and as the holiday season approaches, uh there's a great opportunity to engage in filling the bellies of people who live on the street. Um, 
What about this farm movement? Where do you think it's going next? And how could the rest of the young farmer movement learn or support or engage with uh, what's bubbling within Catholic worker and or bring it out into other faith communities and explore what's possible at the intersection of faith and agriculture? Well, I, I, like I said, I'm, I kind of look to, towards my, uh, my younger uh, Catholic worker uh, farmer friends who are, like, doing this kind of work. Uh, uh, you know, I, I've been involved in, in activism and farming for, for so long that you, you, you kind of can get stuck in patterns which is that, that are, like, getting a little obsolete, and so, uh, like I said, um, I mean, I'm doing what I'm doing today because of Jake and, you know, the, uh, the guys down at, at Lake City who uh, I wouldn't have the, the slightest idea what regenerative agriculture uh, was or is if, if I hadn't run into people uh, like, like them. So, you know, I, would, I'm, I take my cues from people who are out there who are way, way smarter than me and uh, they are, you know, they're online, they're connected. It's people like you who are media savvy and out there paying attention to everything in sight. And if I'm, if I'm lucky, somebody, you know, drops something on my plate where I can look at it and go, holy cow, why, why am I not doing this or why haven't I been doing this? There's something plopping down on our plates every minute, and I'm really thankful to you for being there and holding the space for the... I want to make sure that you guys know that there's a bunch of events coming up. If you're in Farm World and you are a podcast devotee, time to go clickety-clack and get your scholarship organized for the winter conference season. Those of you who are interested in contributing to the New Farmers Almanac. The deadline is January, which slides into February really fast. There's comments. And what else do we need to tell you about? Tell them about Moses. There's there's a lot of young farmers showing up at Moses now in in um, in La Crosse. You know, in February. That's a that's a great place for young farmers to bump into each other. Wherever you are, there's a there's a there's a Oregon Farm Conference not too far away. So tune in, turn on, get on the list, get on the board, get on the organizing committee, get on the panel, get on the scholarship list, fill up your car with new books to read over the winter, bring a bunch of things to barter with other people that are there to trade, and you know maybe find a boyfriend for the winter. Yeah, do all that stuff. <laughs> you yeah, got any announcements? Come down, come down to Des Moines next week and help us protest the World Food Prize and all those, all those ne'er-do-well corporates who are trying to steal the narrative on how we feed ourselves. Thanks for 
listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.